Welcome to the NERJ NYREJ podcast. I'm your host, Rick Kaplan. My guest today is Pietro Barberi, and he is with GTL Construction in New Jersey. Good morning, Pietro. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Tell me a little bit about yourself and tell me a little bit about GTF Construction and what they're all about. Yeah, so GTL Construction uh, is a mid-sized construction firm operating in a tri-state area. Uh, we have 25 employees. Uh, we work in all sectors uh, from the office interiors to retail to multifamily, industrial, uh, pretty much hitting on all points. Uh, I am one of the partners of the company, and, uh, you know, we are... Uh, in the process of uh, taking the company to the next level. So you work on pretty much any type of commercial real estate project, correct? Uh, excuse me? You work on pretty much any type of commercial real estate project. Correct. Yep. So you said you work on retail. Yes. So is that is something that has been... Uh, thriving lately or is it something that has been still stagnant it depends on the type of retail rick so we like to split retail into two components uh we like to call it um e-commerce and non-e-commerce retail um and it's exactly what it means right uh the e-commerce retail uh, is your retail that can you know you can still purchase a lot of the goods online um and that is has been kind of stagnant. Obviously, people like to buy online. Uh, but then you have the retail sector that's non-e-commerce. So your restaurants, your salons, um, you know, things of that nature, which is actually experiencing quite a boom. Um, and we're happy to be part of that. Now, uh, you work on office? Yes. Uh, office, it's interestingly enough, uh, office interiors was that was our bread and butter. You know, there was a period of time when we started years ago that that's the only thing we did uh, was the commercial office. And uh, thankfully, through the years, um, and I say thankfully because that's that's one sector in our business that is highly affected by the economy, right? Interest rates and economy can can uh, make or break that sector of our industry. So it's very important. We we learned early on. It was very important to be diversified as much as possible. Uh, so when you hit the downturns in certain certain sectors, you were in other sectors that were actually thriving and booming. So. I mean, I've heard lately that a lot of these tenants in the office sector have been renewing leases, but for a smaller space, yes. which yes. then in return, that helps you kind of because you can go in. Now you have to reconfigure the space for them yeah for a short period of time after covid that was the case um you know correct you know the big deals were no longer uh you you know 60 70 80,000 square foot offices were you know just was not happening um and again after covid initially immediately that's exactly what was happening in that sector people were downsizing people were reducing space but now Interestingly enough, it's changed. Uh, I think companies are kind of stuck because it still has not been determined what the outcome is going to be. Is it going to be a lot of work from home and smaller office footprints, or 
uh, or a lot of the companies trying to go back, you know, to the office and the bigger footprints. So it's kind of been in limbo and that limbo has caused kind of a slowdown uh, in that market because, you know, in the indecision, people are just staying put. And then you tack on to that the uncertainty uh, with the interest rates and the economy and even more so next year with the election. Uh, anytime there's an election year, uh, it causes hesitation uh, on the parts of companies to make those capital expenditure decisions because they don't they really don't know what what kind of legislation is going to be passed and how it's going to affect them. So it kind of slows down that market quite a bit. Now. You know, I I talk about this quite a bit. You know, multifamily is everyone's crying. We need more multifamily. We need more multifamily. Uh, there's been some talk about conversion of office space into multifamily, which can be very expensive. Uh, which you would probably know more about than I do, <laughs> but uh, you know that's one thing. And then there's also uh, not enough land to build a, a regular multifamily or the land is too costly to build a regular multifamily property. So it, you have to have some kind of a concept for affordable and then you have to bring federal money in. You have to bring local money in to try to make that uh, project work. Yeah. So you running into those issues. So interestingly enough, uh, we feel that that's where the market is going in 2024. Um, there is a lot currently in New Jersey, a lot of underutilized assets in the office market. Um, a lot of the buildings are not performing well. Um, you know, a lot of vacancy. Um, so I feel that the industrial markets, the multifamily markets are going to make a big push in trying to buy uh, these underutilized assets and work on the conversions, not only from a multifamily perspective, but from an industrial perspective. Um, another interesting thing that's happening in the industrial market is, you know, with the Amazons of the world, you know, for the past however many years, you saw the big industrial buildings, you know, a million square feet, 800,000 square feet. Now the buildings exist, but same similar to what was happening with the office where kind of we were reducing a footprint. That's kind of what's happening in the industrial. You know, we are subleasing, subdividing space within the million square feet into two, three hundred thousand square foot sections. Now, it's interesting that you said affordable housing, because I feel that's going to play into the industrial market as well. Um, I think in New Jersey, one of the things that's affected New Jersey uh, is the need for affordable housing. Um, and a lot of the towns um, who no longer can pass fees to developers and actually have to develop it, you know, are going to be stuck having to build affordable housing units if they don't have enough development in their towns where developers can, um, can assist with that. Uh, and industrial is really one of the big things that you can bring into a town that could generate a lot of revenue for the town and in which turn can help with the affordable housing. Again, multifamily housing, industrial, you know, that's why those markets are kind of top of the list going into next year. I think they're going to be thriving markets. Now, I mean, you have a unique type of business where you're 
catering to almost any kind of project. Yep. Where some construction companies, they just focus on one certain type, whether it be industrial or multifamily or something on that in nature. Uh, how do you uh, how do you accommodate all the different types of uh, projects? Yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, listen, we learned early on, again, I mentioned before, we were strictly office. Um, you know, we that, that kind of was the bread and butter. But I think in this business, in this economy, you have to diversify uh, yourself as a company into, into being able to work uh, into those markets. It basically comes down to people, right? It's the people that we hire. It's the people, it's our employees. Uh, it's having the right people in place with the expertise uh, in those particular industries uh, to make sure that we can successfully uh, build the project. Okay, that brings in another subject is how do you find skilled labor? <laughs> That's the tough one. So so for us, you know, we we are we do not self-perform. We are truly construction manager, general contractor. Uh, we sub uh, all of our work out. Um, and therefore, the subs are the ones who are kind of struggle with the skilled labor and, and what to accommodate for us. It's managing, right? We are managing the process. So our people uh, are not actually going out there and physically putting it together. We're managing the process for the owner. We're facilitating uh, what can be a very uh, stressful, um, you know, just a very stressful process for anyone, for any owner taking on a construction. I'm sure you've done renovations in your home, right? I bet you there's nothing more stressful than that, right? Well, I had a wife that she was the she was what we would call the construction manager. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. And that brings a whole nother level of stress. I get it. <laughs> but um, but it's having the people, it's having the people that you know we stick to our core values, uh, which is collaboration, transparency, um, and making sure that we are you know utilizing the team. Uh, not only our internal teams, but the design teams. Um, any project is only as good as the harmony and the collaboration of the team. And we learned that very early on in the process. And that's one of the things that we stick to um, to ensure, you know, success. Well, that's great. The only thing is that I, you know, in these subcontracts, they, they take on limited work now yeah. because they can't get the skilled labor. Yeah. So have you been, I, I asked the wrong question, I guess, because have you been having trouble trying to find uh, subcontractors? I mean, we, so I, I, with regards to that, I think it's, it depends on, on, you know, how you run your company. You know, one of the things, you know, that is most important to us is the relationship with our subcontractors, right? Construction is a very imperfect process. Um, so it's understanding that, you know, when your subcontractors uh, and you have a good relationship, you nurture that relationship. So when there comes a time that you need the contractors, you need the labor, we, we are going to be at the top of the list for those particular subs. So the best thing that we could do, we have not, it has not hindered anything for us, I have to say, luckily, you knock on wood. 
Uh, I think the subcontractor pool that we have has been able to do a phenomenal job on not only having the enough skilled labor for, for what we have to do, but retaining it. Um, and those are the those are the subcontractors we kind of have uh, aligned ourselves with. Um, so fortunately, we have not encountered much of that uh, in, in what we're doing. Well, that's a good philosophy. Yeah. Now, what about, um, you know, it, it, it's let up a little, but the material, materials for construction have been kind yeah. of uh, delayed somewhat. Two things there, Rick, right? It was delays in materials and cost. Um, I think from a delay perspective, we have tremendously uh, leaps and bounds from two years ago. Um, yes, there are still some things that uh, in the industry with regards to HVAC and electric that are still uh, issues. But again, that's depending on what you're doing. Um, but again, it's industry-wide, right? So we, right. at this point in time, whether it's, whether, you know, when it first started, Rick, it was a shock to all. Uh, so architects, engineers, owners really, you know, didn't know what was going on. Now we've been through it enough and have buckled down those things that are still an issue. And everyone designs the projects accordingly, right? We schedule and design the projects around it. So it makes it makes for much more, um, uh, it, makes it, to, it makes it much easier to kind of schedule and anticipate just because everyone is on the same page. With regards to costs, unfortunately, you know, the cost of maintain, you know, a lot of people thought, you know, a lot of the costs were going to drive down. I think a lot of the labor costs a little bit we're seeing, you know, start to stabilize. But material cost has has held steady. Uh, and I think the economy is a reflection of that when we were probably going to make that turn uh, at that inflection point. Uh, then we got hit with um uh, you know, with the economy and certain policies in place and interest rates that kind of hindered that. Uh, and actually, you know, with the inflation made it made it even more difficult. So from a cost perspective, there's still um, there's still a lot of things that we have to work through there. Now, as a construction management company, uh, utilities have been an issue as well, especially in the Northeast, because we have an old infrastructure of uh you know our, our water supplies our gas electric well now a uh, gas is being eliminated slowly but uh, electric and things of that nature uh are you finding that you have to start to put together projects months and months prior you know the preliminaries of uh, the project you have yeah. to put that all together a lot earlier than you used to very much so. Very much so. Um, that's probably so when we we run into that a lot in our ground up construction, uh, obviously, and then a lot of the interiors infrastructures in place, um, not too big of an issue. But in a lot of the ground up construction that we're doing, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's probably one of the, uh, you know, the items that we have to tackle first. And depending on when we are brought into a project, uh, a lot of times we're brought in as a construction manager and we're able to jump on the process from a very early stage before drawings are even created. A lot of times 
you know, drawings are done, ready submit, ready to be submitted for permit. And we kind of have to tackle that as part of the scheduling. But yes, that is an area that, um, especially in New Jersey, uh, is very delayed just because of the uh, the amount of work and and all the different things that go into it. Uh, it's something that you definitely have to account for because it could greatly affect schedule. So when you have all these things, these issues in place, when you have to give a deadline of when uh, completion of a project, how can you figure that out? <laughs> now, is that a magic trick? Or what? <laughs> it's very, <laughs> it is very close, very close to a magic trick. Yeah. Uh, again, very difficult. You know, and it depends on the project and the different requirements of that project. For instance, ground up, you have the whole utility situation to work through. Ground up, you also have new infrastructure with regards to HVAC and electrical equipment. So those are the toughest, uh, especially today. And you could ask any developer, um, it's it's cringeworthy, right? Because you're trying to put it, you know, even from even from a developer standpoint, where you have to get financing in place. And then, you know, there's the exit strategy in the building. And when is that going to be? Right. So to try to identify the market conditions today and what the market conditions are whenever the building is going to be complete is very difficult. It puts, um, it's a very difficult situation. But that being said, uh, in typical projects, uh, we do a lot of due diligence with that. We don't just kind of put a schedule together and say, oh, well, ah, we look at this plan, it's 10 weeks, 12 weeks, 14 weeks. We actually discuss with our subcontractors uh, we look into lead times of a lot of the issues. We we take logistics into consideration. So we look at all the different aspects, uh, timing, uh, depending on the time of year that we're starting the project. And we take all of those and we make the best educated guess uh, on what we feel through, through experience and similar projects that we've done. Uh, and we feel we can get very close um, to those scheduled dates. Well, a lot of times, uh, and I've heard this from different contractors, uh, construction management companies, that they, in their contracts, they have uh, stated that because of the influx of uh, costs, you know, going up and down and, you know, never know where they're going to land with the cost of materials, uh, they put a stipulation in their contracts stating that that the cost could go up but but by what 15% or 20% whatever and then also the the deadline can have a little flexibility as well yeah is it, that something you do yeah very difficult so so after covid uh we had to put escalation clauses in our contract there was no other way i, I mean there was a period of time for that year year and a half where you had price changes within a week. You know, so we get a price from a subcontractor, we get a price from a vendor, and within a week, if you didn't have a purchase order and you didn't buy it within that week, hey, guess what? Price was changing. That's how volatile the market was. So, you know, in our position where, hey, we have to get the cost, share the costs 
with the owner, right? Get approvals. You know, that's could be a two, three week process. And here we are in a market where prices are fluctuating in a week. So it was a very, very difficult situation for a lot of clients and, and a lot of contractors, right? So the escalation clause was a must. Um, so that's something that we've seen in, in the past couple of years. Uh, but with regards to deadline, that's always been something, right? There's always, depending on certain projects, uh, there was always stipulations around being complete and um, and clauses for that as well with, with penalties for delays. Uh, that's just something, again, you know, you're relying on your experience, relying on uh, gathering the facts and the data, you put your best foot forward on, on when you can complete uh, a project schedule-wise. So it's what you're trying to say is that this is not just a black and white type of uh, business. There's a lot of pieces that put in place before you can even go forward with any of this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I tell I tell uh, our employees all the time, if it was easy, everybody would do it. That's right. Uh, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have a job. You know, it's 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 chaos. Construction is basically controlled chaos, right? <laughs> and that that that's really the best way to explain it. Um, I tell I've told clients in presentations, hey, you know, because you know people think you go into a presentation, hey, we're the perfect contractor. There's going to be no issues. We're going to be on time. We're going to be on budget. Go with us. Everything's going to be fine. And I'll tell them, if somebody's telling you that, either they're lying or they have not done this long enough and have no experience. Because I will tell you, there's going to be problems. There's going to be a lot of problems. There may be a lot of problems on a daily basis. I says, that I can promise you. I says, but the other thing I can promise you is that we will be there to tackle those problems and come up with solutions and bring it to the forefront as soon as possible. That, to me, is what makes... Uh, what separates the contractors, right? Good contractors from ones that that maybe are not so good is being able to communicate, have the difficult conversations, bring the problems to the forefront as soon as possible. Um, don't let them linger. The more problems linger, it's going to cost somebody money. Um, and and we, we're not in the business to do that, right? Pietro, so, if someone wanted to get a hold of uh, GTL no. Construction, do you have a website? Yeah, gtlconstruction.com, absolutely. Oh, that's it? A lot of information. We, we also have a social media platform on LinkedIn. Um, so a lot of a lot of what we do can be seen there. Uh, I think between that and the website, uh, there's a lot of information that you can gather on the company. And that will give the contact information as well on the website. Sure, yeah. gtl.com? Uh, gtlconstruction.com oh, gtlconstruction.com okay that's easy enough well I, I appreciate you coming on the show giving us all that great information uh you know i would i wish you a lot of good luck with the uh your business because like i, I said it's uh it doesn't sound like a, a piece of cake <laughs> it's it's a lot of work that isn't that it is not but it's fun. It's fun and it's an exciting industry to be a part of. So, Well, that's great. Well, we've been talking with Pietro Barberi, and he is with GTL Construction. And their website is gtlconstruction.com. You're listening to NERJ, NYREJ podcast. And I'm your host, Rick Kaplan. Until next time. <laughs>
Thank you, Rick. Thanks, guys.